About two days ago, I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's capital. I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, and he called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps, and after I had recognized his, uh, after I had recognized his, his comments as rude, he walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote um, because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight for them and to make sure that they are able to keep a roof over their head, that they're able to feed their families, and that they're able to carry their lives with dignity. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol and in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me and I quote, a fucking bitch. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman. The congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country. Because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. And I want to be clear that Representative Yoho's comments were not deeply hurtful or piercing to me because I have worked a working class job. I have waited tables in restaurants. I have ridden the subway. I have walked the streets in New York City. And this kind of language is not new. I have encountered words uttered by Mr. Yoho and men uttering the same words as Mr. Yoho while I was being harassed in restaurants. I have tossed men out of bars that have used language like Mr. Yoho's. And I have encountered this type of harassment riding the subway in New York City. This is not new. And that is the problem. Mr. Yoho was not alone. He was walking shoulder to shoulder with Representative Roger Williams. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party and elected officials in the Republican Party, not just here, but the President of the United States last year told me to go home to another country with the implication that I don't even belong in America. The governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, before I even was sworn in, called me a whatever that is. Dehumanizing language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern of, of an attitude 
towards women and dehumanization of others. So while I was not deeply hurt or offended by little comments that are made, when I was reflecting on this, I, I honestly thought that I, I was just going to pack it up and go home. It's just another day, right? But then yesterday, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. And that I could not let go. I could not allow my nieces, I could not allow the little girls that I go home to, I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology and to accept silence as a form of acceptance. I could not allow that to stand, which is why I am rising today to raise this point of personal privilege. And I do not need Representative Yoho to apologize to me. Clearly, he does not want to. Clearly, when given the opportunity, he will not. And I will not stay up late at night waiting for an apology from a man who has no remorse over calling women and using abusive language towards women. But what I do have issue with is using women, our wives, and daughters as shields and excuses for poor behavior. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television. And I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. Now, what I am here to say is that this harm that Mr. Yoho levied, it tried to levy against me, was not just an incident directed at me. But when you do that to any woman, what Mr. Yoho did was give permission to other men to do that to his daughters. He gave, in using that language in front of the press, he gave permission to use that language against his wife, his daughters, women in his community. And I am here to stand up to say that is not acceptable. I do not care what your views are. It does not matter how much I disagree or how much it incenses me or how much I feel that people are dehumanizing others. I will not do that myself. I will not allow people to change and create hatred in our hearts. And so what I believe is that having a daughter does not make a man decent. Having a wife does not make 
a decent man. Treating people with dignity and respect makes a decent man. And when a decent man messes up, as we all are bound to do, he tries his best and does apologize. Not to save face, not to win a vote. He apologizes genuinely to repair and acknowledge the harm done so that we can all move on. Lastly, what I want to express to Mr. Yoho is gratitude. I want to thank him for showing the world that you can be a powerful man and accost women. You can have daughters and accost women without remorse. You can be married and accost women. You can take photos and project an image to the world of being a family man and accost women without remorse and with a sense of impunity. It happens every day in this country. It happened here on the steps of our nation's capital. It happens when, the, when individuals who hold the highest office in this land admit, admit to hurting women and using this language against all of us. But once again, I, I thank my colleagues for joining us today. Um, I will reserve the hour of my time and I will yield to my colleague, Representative Jayapal of Washington. Thank you. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica, and it's Misogynist of the Week. And with us is Kathleen Newman Bramang. Hey. See, now it just rolls off the tongue. You got it. You got what's it. I, Thank you so what's much. Once I got for the rhythm. <laughs> hey, hey. Newman Bramang. Yep, you got it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's bars in that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, uh, so our misogynist of the week is Representative Ted Yoho, and we just heard AOC's speech from the House floor, uh, really talking about well, <laughs> about life. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Ooh. And I love that it came from a woman of color, by the way. This is not, I know white women have taken this up this mantle and they're doing their little Me Too women's march thing. And they're like, yay, AOC, <laughs> when most of them hated her. Okay. Yes, because I yes. remember, I know that a lot of white women have been talking about her in very misogynistic ways where it's like, she's just doesn't know her place and doesn't Ooh. mind her place, yeah. but whatever. <clears throat> So, for those who, I don't know, are living under a rock and didn't know, uh, Representative Ted Yoho of Florida, some tea partier who's never accomplished anything except getting elected as a white man in a white state, in a white district full of white Trumpers, um, is actually scheduled for retirement in January. But on his way out, what are you going to do? Ah, a little misogynistic drive-by. I feel like it was like a drive-by attack, because yes. like she's co he's coming down from the on the steps of the Capitol. She's going up, and he basically she's minding her own business, as she says, and he basically is like, "You're out of your freaking mind." Okay, 
So, number one, apparently women are crazy. Hmm. And he's like, he told her she was disgusting. Okay. Hmm. And, you know, she's like, you're rude. And, you know, they parted. So then he then joins up with another white man, Representative Roger Williams, and began descending towards the house office buildings. And a few steps after that, he offered a parting thought. Fucking bitch, he said. And, you know, this is what we are talking about today. So I feel like Ted is, you know, again, it's that it's that violent language that we talked about this week in this week's episodes. Yes. And AOC really talks, really brings that home in her speech about that violent language. And Mm -hmm. she really what we think of as violence, like exactly what we think of as I think we were talking about in the episode, uh, the idea of safety and the idea of physical versus Mm -hmm. safety being more than a a physical Mm -hmm. thing. The idea Mm -hmm. of violence being more than physical is very new for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that it's so interesting to me that anyone would think that the words fucking bitch aren't violent because, you know, first of all, with actual gender physical violence that we know that men enact on uh, on women um, and using that language as well with the physical, but also that language just has so much weight to it it is we've all heard those words come from a man whether we turn them down for a date we walk past them and don't acknowledge their cat calls um you know you whatever it is that you have done we've all heard the words fucking bitch come from a man to describe us we've all been there and so what i loved about aoc's speech which to me it's like this is her ether she is nas this is her like fifty cent versus Ja Rule. Like this. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say Ether and Nas? I am loving yes. the reference, first of all. Yes. Loving yes. the reference. This this is like again, we're talking about bars. AOC just like murked this Ted, whatever the frick his name is. Um Totally. 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 First but of all, I, I'm loving this discussion because you just said murked <laughs> and bars and I I said drive by and I'm just like, yes. This is what this podcast is here for. Carry on. Um, And I just think that, yeah, so often she, I mean, she took this moment to make this speech that where she did, she said, like, I'm speaking for all of us because we've been there and we've heard this. And it, I, I agree that I love that it's coming from a woman of color. I love everything that she said. I also love that she really talked about this, like, refrain that we hear from men so often when they do dumb misogynistic shit. They say, I have a daughter, I have a wife, as if association with women is evidence of any respect for women, or that the only way men can know how to treat a woman is by having a daughter or by having a wife. And we know that that's not true. Ted Yoho proved that. And, you know, AOC, my favorite part of the speech is saying, is when she said, having a daughter does not make a man decent. Having a wife does not make a decent man. You can have daughters and accost women without remorse. And what he proved, she later says, is you can 
project an image to the world of being a family man and accost women without remorse and with a sense of impunity. It happens every day in this country. Like, what? Drop the mic. Drop it. You know what? AOC. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to build on that by saying, here's what else she said. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I'm somebody's daughter too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house toward me on television. And I'm here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. Woo! Woo! Wow. Like, what? Wow. Truly, like... She is whatever, however you feel about Hamilton, but she is Hamilton in a cabinet meeting. She is like throwing it down. I, um, wow. Yeah, that part, especially because, yeah, I think that this idea that, again, that that men are somehow um, made better or, yeah, made decent because they have they have a daughter. Also, you're negating the fact that AOC is a daughter herself and everything she said which, you know, I saw a thread on Twitter about how close she was to her father and how her father turned her into this, you know, badass woman who is smarter. I honestly think that so many people are so uh, threatened by AOC because she is so smart and they know that she is smarter than them. Thank you. Okay, I have seen this woman and, you know, uh, you know, be in like she always shows up for parliament or for parliament shit for for <laughs> congressional hearings yeah um if like there's so many instances i've seen her and there's so many empty seats around her this is before covid because whatever senator or sorry congressperson just didn't show up she took mark zuckerberg to task yes Wow. That questioning was Speaking of murked. <laughs> oh. Oh, and that's why they hate her. Yes, they hate her. Yes. That is and exactly why they hate her. That is why. Cuz they they know that she's going to win every time because she's smarter. I also hate that I think that they hate that she's pretty. Yep. They hate that she's a woman of color. Yep. They just hate her so much and i think that this which he played off as being passionate and whatever is just proof of like that hatred and how like every time she's gonna just flip it and show them the world back to them when they do this to her like she's she she wins i think in the long run on this and they they tried to like hold her down and aoc's like nah Watch me. Miss me with that shit, she said. <laughs> she did say miss me with that shit. Um, uh, can we also talk just what a brilliant politician she is. Mm-hmm. She is brilliant politically. Brilliant. This speech hit everything it needed to. And this speech could not have been given by like a Nancy Pelosi. And I think that's what, you, okay. Nancy that's could obvious. never. 
I, 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 I'm just saying that, yeah. that what the Pelosi's don't understand is that she brings this, this, mm. this mm. fire, this mm-hmm. fed upness that women have now. Mm-hmm. This, this, you know what? We've had enough of this fucking bullshit. And it, the fact is, is that she can galvanize a mood and can convert that into action. Mm. And it's that conversion into action where a lot of people fail. So, mm-hmm. for example, Jagmeet Singh had his, his moment in parliament. And I don't see it being transformed into political action mm. or transformed into movement building. Mm-hmm. You know? And that is, I feel like there's a lot of differences too other differences but that's really the difference that conversion is the difference between her and 99 percent of other um politicians also i also want to say that she has a squad behind her beside her behind her beside her yeah and i mean i think that also adds to why they hate her so much yeah is that, yeah, she's got a squad of, of Muslim and black women beside her. I think that she, um, like you said, she is so scary to them because she she then translated, translates it into action and is just such a great uh, politician and is hopefully the future of politics in America. Yeah. The future of the Democratic Party. They could they should be so lucky. They should be so lucky. And it's I mean, I think that this speech and most times I hear her talk like I think that also her her brand, quote unquote, like Rebecca Traster wrote this for the cut this week about how like people talk about AOC's brand in this like um, really uh, pejorative way. Yes. Yes. And um, they don't talk about how male politicians do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And they just call it a career instead of or career building instead of calling it calling it branding. Yeah, but I think that some of the things that come with AOC's brand is like this this idea of like yeah like basic white woman feminism like oh of course it's like it's kind of basic to love AOC right now I think yeah it is now um, and I actually like that because I think that. Um, betters her chances of getting elected in whatever ways she wants to get elected in the future. I think it normalizes her. Yes. And she's actually, if you compare her to other politicians, super radical. Mm -hmm. Which I love. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's normalize her as much as, as we can so that she can get her radical policies through. Yeah. Let's do it. So what's wrong with Canada? (laughs) <laughs> like, why isn't there a Canadian AOC? I know the NDP is looking for their Canadian AOC. Mm. You just, I, I just know, like, I just think that that's where they're going. Like, they would love to have their own sort of AOC. And I'm just like, but look at your structure. <laughs> like, I mean, it's all just I'll, white men. So totally. It's all just white. And I think that. That's a very real problem with Canadian politics. And there is a lot of stuff going on. But um, one of the big things 
is like a disengagement from specifically like millennial uh, Canadians of color, Mm -hmm. a disengagement in our politics. Yeah. And I think that part of it is, yeah, we don't have someone. I mean, Jagmeet ended up being this like symbol of that in the last election. Um, But yeah, it feels it does feel like Canadian politics a lot of the time is not for me. And I think that's very real. And I, you know, this is like part of my thing. I feel that politics needs to be, and this is what AOC does so well, is that she opens it up. The way she asks questions, easily followed. Oh, yes. She doesn't try to, she breaks it down for understanding and does not try to, uh, to, use language that creates barriers and I find that politics in Canada especially is very much the backroom deal that happens when white men of power get together they decide something and the de- they like decree it from on top the mount for the rest of us <laughs> plebs to just yes. listen. And I'm not here for it because they're fucking up, first of all. Uh, they're not even good at the decisions that we, they were making. We were talking about media this week um, and the, the, the bad decision-making, editorial decision-making that they're writing, much less the content itself. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think that we need to open up politics if we want people to engage. And I I think that's exactly what she does. And that is just so refreshing. And this idea that somebody I know down the street that I'm growing up with who looks like AOC could become, you know, Congresswoman. And, you know, we talk about representation all the time. And this is exactly what we're talking about. I also want to say Ayanna Presley. Wow. What she's my fave out of the squad. Yeah, I love AOC. I just love Ayanna just a little bit more. Oh, and I always that viral tell, video. Oh, oh my goodness! Her, the whole thing with hair it's and just, black women. Speaking and of feeling alo- seen, what? Ooh. Wow. wow! I'm just. And now on the regular, she's coming up bald headed. And I just want to cry every time I, I every see. Time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> every time. Anyway, let's go through. Um, I have a list of AOC's crimes. <laughs> oh, her crimes. Her, her crimes against. According to, re- ag- to According to. Yeah. And just <laughs> men in general. Um, mm. uh, uh, New York Post headline. The New York Post is trash. Okay, <laughs> deadbeat AOC rakes in a bundle but doesn't share with House Democrats. I was just like, what the fuck kind of headline is that? <laughs> How dare you not, not, not give us everything you, you earned, mammy? Like, yeah, how dare you? But it's also, if you flip that around to anyone else, you think a Republican, anybody would give anybody anything? And you know where this criticism, listen to this. Representative Greg Meeks criticized criticized her, um, and she, I guess she represents parts of his borough and the Bronx. Went on Fox News to give an interview, and said, "Sometimes the question comes: Do you want to be in a majority 
or do you want to be in a minority and do you want to be part of a team okay mm. and i feel like last last week we talked about the team um aspects of liberal politics and how everybody gets every team the whole idea of a team is now mm. meant for you to acquiesce to what 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 the powerful want mm. yes and this the idea of loyalty has been yes. really like weaponized yes yes Yes. yes. Like, yeah, Jody Wilson Raybould is the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh and basically she's like, look, I'm not paying. Apparently the dues are two hundred and fifty thousand to the committee, the Democratic Committee. And she's like, I'm not paying the dues because I'm criticizing them for supporting incumbents and blacklisting vendors that work with primary challengers. So I'm donating directly to the candidates instead. Mm -hmm. Sure. Great. What's what's what? But they needed a whole Fox News interview. No, that's an (laughs) attack. Okay. then two days later, she announced that she had adopted a French bulldog named Deco. And PETA then condemned her for buying a purebred puppy over adopting one from a shop. I fucking hate PETA because they're racist. (laughs) They are. And I will say as someone who who does have an adopted dog, mind your own business. Yeah. (laughs) You also, there are are ethical breeders out there. We don't know what AOC did and what her process was. Leave her be. There are ethical breeders, breeders, breeders out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. So then, the Washington Times, not the Post. The Washington Times is actually a conservative newspaper, so stay away from it. It's trash. Uh, she, so they reported that she spent three hundred dollars on a haircut and lowlights, insinuating that she wasn't upholding socialist ideals by doing so, calling her the Eva Peron of American politics. Now. Naturally, numerous women rushed to Twitter to remind everyone that $300 isn't exactly a crazy amount for a woman to pay for a haircut and lowlights in New York or D.C. Oh, yeah. That's like actually on the cheap side. That is on the cheap side. I don't, I'm like, she got a discount. <laughs> Was that? And then that's not even with tip. Okay. Right? And so this also brings up and what she did, which was so smart, she turned it around and she was like, well, let's talk about the increased financial burden women have to just look presentable. Mm. She's so smart. She is just a gift. okay? And then. Uh, you know, somebody else called her out for her clothes because apparently she's she's and it goes back to you saying that she's too pretty to be mm. or they don't like that she's pretty mm-hmm. because to them. And I've heard men say this a lot. I don't know what's wrong with men, actually, <clears throat> in terms of the way they view women. Men believe that a woman can either be pretty or smart. And never the twain shall meet. Ooh, yep. And I'm that just part. like, I, I, okay. I don't understand. I don't understand who told them this. I really don't. Because that has not been, like, who are you, who are these women that you're talking about? 
I really want to know sometimes. But I've heard this. I've even heard this from men with PhDs. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes back to, you know, going back to my world of like entertainment and pop culture. I think that, you know, we saw for a long time, like pretty women be depicted in certain ways. And also the idea of like men not being able to control themselves around a, on, around an attractive woman, not taking an attractive woman seriously because all they're thinking about is sex. Um, And then also that, yeah, certain attractive women were not depicted as smart and capable for so long. And so I think that has infiltrated like the way certain men think for sure. And I think that AOC is just getting the the brunt of that. I totally agree. And let's bring up probably one of the most heinous (sighs) tweets that the And that's saying something for this president. So interesting to see, quote, progressive, quote, Democratic Congress, Congresswomen. See, the man can't even. Okay, Who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe. The worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world if they have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run, why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? And that one was one she actually mentioned in the speech. She talked about that. And it just goes to show, I'm sure that one hurt. Because, like, I can only imagine how much that hurt. Because this is an American. An American. And um, it just goes to show it is that othering. It is that, you know, like, it's like when you remove somebody's um, relationship to the quote-unquote tribe, and then they're isolated, they're weakened, and you can pick them off easier. And Trump is a bully. Like, he knows how to do that. And what um, I would have liked to have heard more white women talk about that, but whatever. Um, that is That is something that I, that still hits me. You know, that tweet from the president. Well, I, I think it hits all of us, like, who are women of color or who are daughters of immigrants or uh, who's, you know, come from uh, a line of people who maybe, uh, you know, immigrated to our country, like the country that we're in, because we get the, how often have we gotten, you know, where are you from? Or where are you from, actually? Another way to uh, other you from, you know, the country that you grew up in and, and belong to and were born in and believe in, right? Like it just makes you feel like, yeah, I, they're trying to make you feel like you don't belong here. And so I think that cuts for all of us. And I'm sure it cut for her, which is why she referenced it again. And it also is just such um, an example of the racism that Trump spews on the regular, which is like his America is only for certain people. 
And that's why I can't get with Kanye anymore. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. This is why I like I told you, I said my fandom of him died a long time ago. And it was because you can't there's certain things you cannot forgive. And I cannot forgive um, any sort of allegiance to that man. To Trump. No, no. But, you know, I I don't know. You know, what's so funny, though. (laughs) Every time Ted Yoho is Googled, this 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 takedown is going to come up. Yes, it is immortalized. It is immortalized because literally, apparently, he's done nothing. <laughs> and so, this is this now is his what he's, legacy. Yes, yes. Being the misogynist of the week is his legacy. I'm just saying. And on that note, thank you, Kathleen, for joining thank you, us Erica. once again. <laughs> and uh, to all our listeners, we will catch you back in the fall. Uh, and Kathleen. I can't wait to listen. I'm I will, I'm about to put a Google alert on your stuff on Re- Refinery Twenty Nine. <laughs> I want to see more. You. I want to read you. more. I also like. I also now know to go somewhere that has a Canadian perspective for pop culture, mm. and I didn't know where to go for that before. Mm. So that's the other thing. That's Refinery Twenty Nine, everybody. And they yes, have a Canadian site. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. And the more we talk about like our experiences and stuff like that and how they weave into pop culture, like there's a space for that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is m- my whole thing. Like I really just love looking at the intersection between culture, race, feminism and I think that celebrity is a fascinating, like, you know, this is also what Lainey Gossip does, who, like, Elaine Louie is a good friend of mine, former boss. Um, and this is what she's done for years. This is what I think is very valuable, is just, like, looking at the ways in which we, uh, who we exalt, who we tear down, what that says about us when it comes to celebrity, the music that we consume, the TV, the, the movies... And yeah, what that says about our, our life and where we are and how it also raises us. We were all raised on TV and movies. I cannot uh, stress the significance of that more. And on that note, we're out. We out. <laughs> My bitch is bad and bullshit.